We have one mission at the program. Develop better leaders and create more cohesive teams. Let's go, man. It's a race. Welcome to the program podcast. The program is a team building and leadership development company that works with more than 160 collegiate and professional athletic teams and corporations throughout North America annually. And I'm Eric Capitula, the founder and CEO of it. The program believes that individual talent affords us the opportunity to do well in life. Individuals and individual talent allows us to win games. But great teams compete for championships on whatever our chosen battlefield may be. And great teams are comprised of great teammates and great team leaders. Joining me today on the program podcast to help us become great teammates and great team leaders is Florida State University softball coach for the past 14 years, Lonnie Alameda. Coach Alameda, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, Eric, this is an honor. Um, I've already got my notebook out because I feel like this conversation is going to just benefit me 10 times. So thank you for having me here. And I'm excited to, to talk shop with you. Oh, well, great. That's, uh, that's a great compliment coming from you. Coach, let's jump right in. I believe that we are all a sum of our experiences. And although I, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to discussing FSU softball with you, I, I'd like to start by asking about your parents, your family, where you grew up, maybe about your experiences as an athlete prior to coaching, all of these experiences that have impacted you uh, as a coach and as a human being. C can you... Can you speak a little bit about them? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, my mind goes in so many directions when I talk about family and, and my upbringing because I was so lucky to um, have parents that were very involved in a lot of things, but yet also allowed me to grow, you know? So I think that um, playing sports, you know, played a lot of sports, was able to be around uh, basketball, um, obviously some softball, volleyball, um, road horses, like did so many outdoor adventure sports. And um, my parents easily, I think at that day and age too, would send, you know, me off with other families or um, six or seven of us would go with one family in a weekend. And so tons of support from family, um, but also the ability to, to grow my own identity and be comfortable doing my own things at a young age. And so I think there was that really good balance. And so um, you know, I, I just look back now and I'm so grateful for um, their love and support, but their also ability to um, allow me to learn other cultures and other family styles and other things. Um, and I think the other thing that I'm so grateful with my family is uh, travel. We traveled a lot. Um, like I said, I, I was into horses. My mother was big time into horseback riding and we would pack back in and go camping in the mountains. Um, you know, we would do um some fun little show horse stuff like all kinds of things with horses like all kinds of fun things so you know to, to sleep outside in their tent in a tent with the stars all around you you know it's just something incredibly moving and 
um you know my family was just big outdoors people so we got to do a lot, a lot of that growing up so my brother and i talk a lot um, my brother's two years younger than i he's my older brother though <laughs> i call him for everything yeah. he is my older brother but um you know we talk a lot about how thankful we are for how we were raised um you know i, I think as you get older you look back at your experiences and you're like oh wow that's that's why i am the way i am because I don't think my mom and dad, my grandma and grandpa, they never met a stranger. Um, they were always open to helping people out, uh, always open to um, listening to people's stories, inviting them into, you know, we're, we're camping somewhere, you brought people around the campfire. Tell me your story, let's talk about it. It was just a very, um, you know, enjoyed life upbringing. So just, just really thankful for their, their opportunities for that. It's, it speaks, Coach, to uh, listening to you talk about riding horses into the mountains and travel and, and those types of things, right? One of the one of my favorite Mark Twain quotes is, never let school get in the way of a good education. <laughs> and I think two of the ways that that those uh, of that you can also have a good education is to your point, travel, right? And in second, uh, you know, but let's be honest, travel, it, it, it costs a fair amount of money to, to do so. But something that I, I feel like so many leaders uh, miss the opportunity with because travel takes time and money and okay, maybe we don't have the time to spend those things or, or we don't make the time to do those things. What really uh, surprises me is, yes, travel is one of those things that we can do to help our education, but reading is another. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't cost almost any money. And our time investment is very small in, in that. And yet, I feel like so many leaders, I think the great leaders are lifelong learners, right? Through travel and, and through reading. Are any books that have made an impact on you, Coach? Um, I probably maybe not books in the sense that the one book, um, I think it's a Lessons Life, Life Lessons, um, the Notre Dame way, um, there's a Lou Holtz book out there and he talks about just kind of a, a little bit of that. And I think in the yeah. face of diversity, uh, is another book, um, that I was sent a, a lot of, actually, it's really cool. Um, we won the championship or this last year we're in the, the runner up and you get a lot of people wanting to send you chapters or podcasts or things to like, listen, this is what I'm getting ready to share. And, um, in the face of adversity is one of them that was sent to me in 2018 and it's an easy read, but um you know it talks about failure and how you handle failure so i really did enjoy that book um, but i'm not a big book reader i'm more of a um articles um you know i i definitely love like um clint hurdle always sends some stuff out i'm kind of on his email list and it's just little snippets you know john gordon little snippets um i think just little things to get you thinking and talking yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how many times I'll print out a little article and I'll take it to our pictures and we'll sit down and we'll talk about, let's see it, dive deep into what this means. Um, yes. I do think the legacy, we read the legacy, um, the all black story. Um, yeah. We read that with our teams. Um, every we had the author on this podcast uh, <laughs> last yeah. year. Yeah. 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 And it's just so cool. Like this, there's so many lessons, you know, but we'll take it chapter by chapter. We may not read the whole book. 
but right. sweep the sheds. Let's just talk about sweep the sheds. Let's talk about what that means, you know? And so maybe it's not just sitting down the whole book part. It's just more of like pieces and then let's expand on it and, you know, where it's needed to, to talk with the team or just for me in general, when, you know, when I'm struggling with last year, mid seasons failures, you know, you like to go back and hit a book that, you know, that you're like, you can really get into those words. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, some of, and this is a very uh, truncated, edited version, but for our audience, a few of Coach Alameda's individual awards include the 2005 and 2007 Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year. She has been the ACC Coach of the Year every year between 2013 and 2017. She was the recipient of the 2018 Mugiel Award, which embodies, whose recipients embody sportsmanship, class, and character. Coach Alameda, along with assistant coaches Travis Wilson and Craig Snyder, were honored as the 2018 NFCA National Coaching Staff of the Year by helping FSU become the first ever ACC school to win a softball national championship. And she's also the 2018 18 NFCA National Coach of the Year. Coach, if you have to point to one or two things that allows you to achieve that level of individual success, those awards that you've received, which is a reflection, of course, on team success, and we'll talk about that shortly, but what do, what do you point to of this allows me, obviously you're very smart and talented, of, of course, but what are the, any other things that you think it allows me to achieve the success that I've had on an individual level in my life? Um, well, first I go back to, I don't know how smart I am, Eric, but <laughs> um, I think I realize. I guess two things. One, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. Like, and I'm okay surrounding myself with people that um, can bring something to the table that I'm not good at. Like, you know, I, I want to make sure. So maybe the smart part comes in. I surround myself with great people and um, I let them do their thing. I let them do their thing. Um, we're all in this together. It, it's not me and everyone else. You know, I may hold a line to things. I may be the last um the last you know decision maker on a lot of things but in reality you know i've got five or six people that are pouring their heart into this place and so they have just as much to say as i do on things and then i think the other thing that's really important um in life i really think but definitely in sport but it, we're in a people business it's a people business and you gotta care about the people and every person and every human being i don't care male or female in this program has a say, they have a voice, they have a role. And I got to figure that out. I got to get them comfortable to be able to do that. So their voice, their say, their role can play. And whatever that play is, right? If it's to be the best shortstop, be the best shortstop. If it's to be the best pinch runner off the bench. If it's to be the best director of ops. Like I, from the top, have to get my my tribe here comfortable with doing their thing. So, um, so I think those are two areas that when, um, you look at awards and accolades, I may be the name, but it takes a whole village here um, to allow that to happen. So yes, you're right. It is a team award. It's not a me award for sure. Um, 
But I think when you recognize that uh, we are in a people business and, and we love up our people, um, but hold them to a standard, but love up our people, um, then we can be pretty successful. Coach, it's, um, it's very telling. A uh, good, good friend of the program, Bob Blazer, Acceleration Partners, uh, he writes a weekly uh, Friday Forward is what he calls it. This week's was on toxic leadership. Uh, in our earlier this morning company meeting, uh, I highlighted I really need to reflect because Bob Glazer talks about, you know, basically five different boxes that toxic leaders, you know, check. And as I was explaining to my company, it really gave me pause because I, I would check all five boxes on me uh, leading the program. Uh, so I really need to do some self-reflection here. But one of the things that uh, he highlights in the in his Friday Forward is a toxic leader uh, takes all of the credit. And listening to you speak the entire time, there was no taking personal credit. It was the team and giving in their say and and everything else the giving people a say but it, it was also interesting to me you talk about having everybody has a say but as you talk about but look as the leader i still make the final decision which i think is so impactful to do it in that order give people the say first which helps develop ownership in our organization, right, coach? So many coaches, business leaders, but on the, we'll talk about coaches here. So many coaches talk about, hey, I let my leadership counsel. They they choose where we eat while on the road. Yeah. That's not giving somebody ownership. That's making them a food critic. Mm -hmm. uh, can, you, can you talk about that a little bit more about this idea of developing ownership in your, in your program and the importance yeah. of it? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, probably in the last five years, I, you know, I, we work with a sports psychologist, Brian Kane. He's a, he's a good friend. He's not just a sports psychologist, he's a good friend. And I think when you get to um, certain levels and grow relationships um, with, you know, people as yourself, I mean, I, you have amazing uh, people in your program, the program, your business that we reach out to, right? So Brian Kane, I reach out to him and talk a lot about you know where this program is because um, he gets to get out to a lot of different schools and see but we talk about the transformational side like this is a transformational program um i treat it as a family i know it's my job so there's the line of transaction transaction transactional programs and then there's a line of transformational and i try to live at those crossroads i try to make sure that i'm not too transformational kumbaya love the players and be the mom role a ton um, and I don't want to live on the straight transactional line with all about W's and people are rolling in, rolling out and just using them for their softball skills. So if I can ride that line and make sure that, that I keep the, the compass in the right spot of the ethics and morals of, the, of what we're trying to do here, you know, our, our, our mission is what we talk about is to live gate, give your all to the team every day. That's the mission. And to me, that's a life's mission. If you're going to give your all to your team every day, that's the softball field, but that's going to be your family. That could be your job. I mean, that could just go on into life. Um, but how do you know to give your all if you don't know what your all is? So that becomes the transformational side. So if my mission daily is to build up these young women and all the people in this program to give their all, then transformationally, we have to dive into getting them comfortable with who they are. Um, so I, I think that's where that line is. And 
And do sometimes we get too kumbaya and, and too much around the campfire? Yes, but then, you know, the game will pull us back in to where we're not getting our X's and O's done. And then I have to, to write the ship a little bit. And so um, I just really love that piece of it. And I, you know, actually, you could be a full on transactional coach. There's plenty of them out there, you know, and they may not care about the transformational side. And that's totally fine. I think you just own what you own as the, the head person. You know, and then you're not lying to anyone. So if someone decides to take a, a job or come to be a part of a team and it's great transactional, then don't get upset when no one's hugging you after the game. Like, that's okay. You know, like you, you, know, you signed up for it. So it's when we're not real with ourselves from the top and then we're barking different orders and giving different ways, then you create this, this really gray area. It is really hard for people to live, but there's no direction. So um, so probably in the last five or six years talking to Kaner about the transactional and transformational, I've just realized like, wow, like that is what I do. And it took me a while to figure it out. Um, but mm -hmm. now I, I'm so grateful for the, the clarity of it. Um, and then it just helps everyone, you know, around here know um, what's important to us and, and where, we'll, where we'll put our time. It reminds me, Coach, of a conversation I had. Uh, we worked years ago with coach crane when when he was the head coach of indiana men's basketball and on his staff was a 12-year veteran of the nba he was a naismith college basketball player of the year award winner and he had played for uh for bobby knight and after the event i'm, I'm speaking with him he was their director of basketball operations and i said hey look I, I got to ask, I know you must get asked this a thousand times, but what was it like playing for Coach Knight? And his answer was very interesting, and it's always stayed with me. He said two things, Eric. He said, first of all, I know what everybody sees on TV, but what they may not see is that Coach Knight sends, has sent every single player a wedding. He sends every single player a wedding gift. He he checked every player who left here who didn't go in the NBA. They had a job the day they left here. And that's because of Coach Knight. People don't see that. He's like, now, with that said, let me also highlight something to you that he goes, I got it to be honest. It really upsets me when I hear players or former players talking about, well, Coach Knight was so mean to me. Hmm. And he's like, the reason why it makes me so upset is coming out of high school, I was awesome. And when I got recruited here and came here, Coach Knight rode me during my recruiting visit. And then I came to school here in my freshman year, he rode me all year long. My senior year, I was the Naismith Basketball Player of the Year. And Coach Knight rode me all day long. He was consistent. And I knew it from the day that I got recruited here, that that's the way it was going to be. And because of that, oh, I'm not going to say it wasn't always, you know, <laughs> to your point, right? Kumbaya and love. And sometimes I wasn't like, come on, coach, right? He's like, but I could trust him. I knew what I was getting every single day. And that trust of just, as you mentioned just earlier, of be who you are and be it every single day and be consistent about it. Because if we can't be consistent about it, well, then we can't trust each other. And if we can't trust each other, we have no relationship. 
I know that you talk about team and family being so important at Florida State, but you, you make a delineation there. Can, can you explain, uh, talk about how, again, talk a little deeper about how you develop trust in your program because you have this relationship of both family and team at Florida State? Yeah, we, um, so I think the very first thing is just, you know, to have a, a good system of core values. Um, I think when you have a good system of core values and, you know, I chat with a lot of coaches um, and a lot of um, people that want to talk about culture. Uh, I think um, people see our program as a culture program, but every program is a culture program. Everyone's got culture. You know, what, how, how you live is your culture, you know, so, but mm -hmm. to me, if you're putting something on a t-shirt or it's on a wall or it's on the head, letterhead or whatever it is, like um, what you're saying, are you matching it with what you're doing? So when we talk about core values, family is one of them. So, um, you know, I think when people walk into the program, I want them to leave like, wow, that's a, that's a family. They, they can see the culture of family, but I also know that we have to talk about it. You know, I think Eric, if I were to say, you know, family, your mind goes right to your family. And my mind goes to my family and my family didn't sit down for Sunday dinners with grandma and grandpa and cell phones off the table or your family may have had, um, you know, um, TV dinners, um, maybe Tuesday nights, or maybe your father worked or maybe your, you know what I mean? Like your family in your head goes different. So if we don't define family for yes. our organization, you know, and accepting of everyone's background, you know, and how they're bringing it, we're all coming here because of softball. So we're all going to different, but we've got to define that so we've got to get a common language so i think that's when core values help you with the common language and then we can mm -hmm. understand you know the, the values so then comes down to the conversation of you know what what is our goals what are our goals and the goals are obviously to win a national championship that's, that's ultimate graduate from florida state win a national championship ultimate goal steps to get those goals part of those are the team you know like you've got to be you've got to be a contribute to the team what can i bring to the team hitting home runs, stealing bases, backup pitcher, catcher, whatever it is, where you contribute. But then there's this other side of family that's a big value to us. So, you know, I try to make sure that um, I've got to hold the line. Let's sit, let's talk business, Eric. Let's talk business. You know, are you actually getting after your ABs, your at-bats? Are you getting after your at-bats like you are capable of? You know, that's team. That, that's giving to the team. That's that transactional side that I got to measure to okay, let's talk about school and life and how's your girlfriend, how's your boyfriend, how are things in life, like that's family. So I've got to make sure that that line doesn't get skewed, um, but know that that's a core value of ours. And I, I love you as a, as a player and I love you as a teammate, but we've got to make sure that we're giving to our team and making sure we can hold that accountable when we get in the field. Because if we continue to see family on the field, then people will be scared to hold that line of accountability and they'll lose friendships and they'll, they'll make people mad. And we don't want that. We, we want production. We want accountability. You come here to work your tail off to be the best you can be. We're going to push each other for that. And that's not just me. You know, I hope by game 50, I could step back and be gone and they could take it. If I've done a good job as a coach, I don't need to be around for championships. I just need to write lineups and let them roll because I've given them all the abilities and tools to be able to do what they need to do in the battles. And they should be able to run the bases, know what they're looking for. Like I, sh I should be able to pour into them, created leaders on the team, created good um, support system, good soldiers, good followers. Like they know their system by that point and should be able to roll. So I think that's a, 
to me in my mindset, that was if one tight family rolling into the end of the season, that, that's got a team mission. And uh, I think that's a big line, yeah. It, it's spurs me to ask some follow-on questions here, yeah. Coach. First, I, I would reiterate to you how much I, I feel like I want to be, uh, you know, waving a pom-pom here over defining values mm -hmm. and for exactly the reason that you talked about is getting back to my first question we're all a sum of our experiences right man the universal term man we we are some of our experiences that's true with family that what your experience as a family so you have a certain mental picture of what it means for family i have a certain mental picture yeah but neither one may be what the fsu family means that's true for family that's true for discipline for toughness what any any core value and defining it for your organization is boy it's vitally important to to do so and also to, to your point coach when you talk about look let's let's be a family yes but but don't forget we're we're teammates and in our vernacular, the thing that we always highlight for our audience is being good friends. It's never a problem. In fact, I mean, right, coach, I, I hope that any athlete that we work with, like myself, I, I think about some of the people I played college lacrosse with. They're still some of my best friends till today. Boy, I hope everybody could say that, right, about their playing career. I mean, if not, boy, I almost kind of feel sad for you. Yeah. It, so, so being great friends is never a problem, except when being great friends to each other becomes more important than being great teammates for yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. Would you talk uh, um, a lot? I'd love to to talk about um, a. When we talked about your individual awards, which are a reflection of the team, as you as you pointed out, but one of them is staff of the year. Mm -hmm. And I think as leaders and as as head coaches, we're thinking about, okay, what am I doing with the players? What am I doing with the players? What am I doing? But many leaders we work with, they underutilize, we feel, their their staff. Are there certain things, uh, A, how do you feel you, you utilize your staff? How are some of the ways that you try to make sure that your staff is always part of the solution and not part of the problem, basically? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm very lucky to, I, I don't have a ton of staff turnover. So I think when you're around people and you go through the experiences together, um, you get to debrief and create a new plan for the next year. So, um, you know, I, I think that at the end of the season, you have to have reflection moments. You have to have reflection time. You have to get down and um, I meet with every person on the staff. Uh, tell me what was good about the season uh, for our team and program. Tell me what was good this season for your area. You know, whether you're the athletic trainer, the sports information, the assistant coach, like your area in charge of hitting, you're in charge of media, whatever, like talk to me about it. What could you do better? And then I want to know what you see from your eyes 
other areas and other departments. So it's a, a very extensive program, a very extensive meeting. You know, I'm meeting with probably over 40, 45 people. I mean, that's maybe not extensive, extensive for a lot of people, but you know, when you think about softball coach, that's a lot of people that you, you want to hear from. Mm -hmm. So as I'm asking you, trends trends will show up about the team. So maybe um, maybe everyone's talking about, oh God, they just own discipline. Like, you know, down in the locker room, they're not turning their laundry in on time or um, the hitting coach is talking about no one's picking up the balls, like details, discipline, it starts to show up, right? So now I can debrief, sit down with the immediate coaching staff. Like, this is what showed up. What are we going to do about it? And then it becomes like, let's create solutions to the problems that, that we're having right now. But I think it's constant reflection and growth that we have to have. So, um, so and I, you know, I again, know that I'm the one that has to make the decisions. I'm the head coach that the title makes the decisions, but it is definitely four of us, you know, four of us are getting after it. Um, yeah. I also think too, it's not always my words. Travis, can you go speak to the team about this right now? So you get up and talk about um, our whoop numbers. Um, Strength coach, every every week, once a week, you're going to talk about hydration and stretching. Like, so give them a voice and continue to give them a voice versus me always saying it. And you, know, you, you the players are always hearing messaging from everyone that's a part of their tribe. Um, you know, and I, I got to work on that. Maybe I have some young strength coach coming in and she's not delivering the message quite the way that I would like it. But if I want the strength program to get better, she's going to be the one leading it. I need to support her and I need to be there with her. So I'll go to the weight room. But I'm sitting back and I'm watching her do her thing. I'm, I'm not going to get, you know, I'm, I want to develop her and I want to develop that relationship because we need to be stronger because, you know, it, it's taken away from someone's ability to grow and then to connect that, that team part. So, um, so I, I think it's a lot of hands-on, hands-off. I'm definitely hands-on because I'm meeting with people and I'm asking them to do things, but I'm hands-off when I let them do things, you know, so um, a little bit of give and take. But I think self-reflection is just a huge one. Yeah. And as you're talking about your interactions with so many people and you can and you keep going back, coach, to this idea, which I love about. I'm asking for people's suggestions and opinions and. Yes, then I make the decision what, what that speaks to, to to me, coach, is I, I, I never say lack of ego, because let's be honest, I don't know if you. We all have ego, right? I mean, take a team picture. Who's the first person you look for in the picture? I mean, we all have ego. And we also think we can win too, right? Yeah. But so it's not necessarily lack of ego, but it's, all, but it's a humility and a, a level of confidence, I think, which is really, it, it helps develop that trust of, of a leader saying, I have my thoughts, which I'll share with you at some point, but I'm not so egotistical that I know my thoughts are truth with a capital T yeah. that let's get everybody's suggestions to that time allows. And then we're going to formulate a plan. And yes, I'll make the final decision. It really speaks coach for, for what it's worth. I know you're not fishing for compliments here, but it really speaks to, uh, you, your humility and, and confidence that you're able to do it because so many leaders don't. Yeah, I think too, like what's so important is um, when you allow people to speak, you're hearing their inner thoughts. So if um, I'm not going to be around all the time, so I want to know what's being said in the weight room and the training room and the locker room and the equipment room and 
in the dugout when I'm not around. So if I allow, if you can sit back and, and listen, and, you know, I think at times we feel as, as the head person that we always have to be speaking, but if I can just hear thoughts, hear things, then it's really going to help me know where the pulse of our coaching staff, our staff is at, and then I can help guide, you know? So is it hard sometimes to hear some tough stuff? And is it hard to have, well, she, I don't say hard all the time. Jamie always says it's challenging. Is it challenging? Right. Yes, challenging at times. Um, but man, I would rather have those tough conversations to hold the standard than people not being able to tell me what's going on. And then that underlying gray area always being there. And I just can never connect with it. So um, I think listening to lead is almost as big as being the one with the voice. Um, you know, that, that line. Coach, a real blind spot for me, something that I've really had to work on uh, is I've always said, hey, look, I want your answers. I want your suggestions. And behind closed doors, right? And we have team meetings. And if you had listened to those team meetings as a coach, A, you probably would have been like, I'm never hiring those guys just sitting here listening to this. And B, uh, they hate each other. Like we're screaming and yelling at each other and, and everything. And I think that for, for me, something that I've had to get better at, and you just touched on it, which is you're going to ask that question of what do you think? And look, it will elicit a certain emotion inside of you if you are completely opposed to it, disagree with it, or, or whatever it might be. But that as the leader, you can say, I want your opinion. But if their opinion then causes you to have an emotional outburst about it, you end up creating this Pavlovian response where people are like, well, I'm not dealing with that. Like, I, like me giving my opinion, just it's not that important, right? To have, you know, this ogre, Eric Capitulic screaming at me, right? Neanderthal. Um, it's something I've really had to work on, try, try to get better at it. I've still got to have to work at it. Anything, do, do you feel that same way, coach? I mean, do you get that, that emotion and do you have to check yourself Has over time you've, you've worked on that anything, um, you know, additional color you could, you could add to it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think, you know, when we talk about reading the books and the legacy, it talks about blue heads, you know, and kind of losing yeah. your, your mentality a little bit. I, I think, um, if there's one thing I I've been, um, pretty good at later is um, just taking that breath and calming down in moments when you start to feel you can feel that anxiousness anger um, the minute you want to rebuttal on something you could feel it and if you could just take a breath and I, I've just as of later I've been able to take a breath because those are such learning moments for me and I want I want to push my players I want to push my staff to the point of like um like complete competitive, um, you know, just like they're riding that line right there uh, because then that's, that's where the game's going to push them. The game's going to push them there at the highest levels. And when we get in those moments, do they lose it or can they bring it back in? And so me as a coach, if I can continue to show that I don't lose it, I can bring it back in, just take a breath, bring it back in. Let's have a, let's have, let's calm down for a second and let's talk about this. And so, yes, I mean, many of times, closed door, same thing as you, closed door meeting, three, four of us in here, like, what the heck, you feel attacked, right? I feel attacked, you want, and you want to, okay, let's take a breath, 
think about the words that were being said right now or let's take a breath in a circle okay we got runners at first and second what are we going to do next what's our plan of attack so um i just i really realized that my value as a leader if i could show calm again jamie and sam all the time right calm breeds calm calm breeds calm and even in our program exercise a couple weekends ago we had one player that was losing it and then she lost her team you know and, and decided to bring over and like like let me tell you the lesson I learned from Jamie and Sam, calm breeds calm, you know? And it's like, it's so true, but how do you do that? Take a breath, listen to what's being said. So if I can, if I can practice that in these meetings and I can practice that on the field and I can relay that. So, so I hear you. So, so um, tough to do at times maybe, um, but just like anything, taking ground balls, um, throwing curveballs, um, putting out practice plans, all those things have to be practiced. So how many moments do we get when we kind of get our, our hair on the back of our neck standing up? Not many, but when we do, oh, this is a moment to practice this right now. Just relax, take a breath. Yeah, go from there. So great. So fun. <laughs> Coach Alameda has guided the Seminoles to the Women's College World Series final four times in the last seven seasons including winning the program's first NCAA national championship in 2018. A women's college World Series finals appearance in 2021, a college World Series semifinals appearance in 2016, as well as eight consecutive trips to the Super Regionals. Florida State had earned seven ACC regular season division titles in a row in six straight ACC tournament titles heading into last season, and now owns 17 ACC championships. FSU has played in the NCAA postseason every year under Coach Alameda and is one of only nine schools to participate in the NCAA tournament in every season since 2000. She has led the Seminoles to 10 ACC championship game appearances in 12 full seasons. The Seminoles topped the college softball world in 2018, earning their first NCAA national championship with an 8-3 win over number five, Washington. You have an overall record at FSU, overall of 761, 338, and three. At FSU alone, coach, your teams have compiled a record of 604 180 and two. Coach, in our conversation so far, <laughs> I'm sorry. First, that's amazing. And congratulations. Second, in our conversation so far, Lonnie, I've heard you consistently refer back to things like the importance of self-reflection, uh, emotional resiliency, gaining buy-in from our staff and team. There isn't a leader on any team, athletic or corporate, who doesn't want to enjoy the success that you've had throughout your career. Self-reflection, emotional resiliency, buy-in. Are there other things, Coach, when you reflect on those accomplishments that I just shared? Anything else that you would pinpoint to uh, of, boy, I used to do this. It wasn't very good. 
I've started doing this much better. Or, boy, we do this all the time and it really helps us achieve the success that we want to achieve and have achieved in my organization. Anything else, coach? Um, ooh, I, a, I don't even, don't even know. I think the one thing that, um, that really helped us continue to try to stay successful year in and year out is, um, always going back to the fundamentals. We were never, we're never too big for everyone to just back to the fundamentals of how we do things. And, and I think that, um, you know, I think John Wooden always said, you know, the very first day of practice, they, they all tied their shoes together. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, like just the simple things of this is how you tie your shoes, put your socks on, put your shoes on. Like um, we definitely do that. So I think fundamentally on the same way, coaching wise, you know, we fundamentally meet with the staff, you know, how are we doing from the start? Because, you know, the one thing I think is so important as a college coach, um, you're a year older, I'm a year wiser, a year older, but the kids are coming in at the same age every year. So to think that the same age freshman with the big eyes that just left mom and dad for the first time is coming in every year, and I expect them to be different than five years ago, 10 years ago, they're still going through the same thing. So I think that's why it's so important to connect to that fundamental building with the program um, and, you know, think that, hey, this team and this program, every year we start off with team dinners and connection. Like we're not, we're not bypassing things. And if there's one thing I've learned in, in some of the years is we have bypassed a few things and cut corners to like skip forward. It's not, it's not fair to the freshmen, not fair to the program. So I do think meet them where they're at when they come in and, and be fundamental. Is there something when in the recruiting process, coach, when you've got, you, you, your success, the things that you've done, you and your staff and team have done, uh, it has allowed you to recruit a different talent athlete level. Other than talent coach, during the recruiting process, are there certain things that you look for? Um, I, the number one thing that um, we want is people that want to be here. It's, a, it's by far the number one thing. Do you want to be at Florida State? Um, I, I'm not begging. I'm not rolling out a red carpet. I'm totally okay if someone chooses to go somewhere else because then this isn't for them. Um, I, I think I'm never going to compromise our ethics and values, our ethos as a program, I'm never going to compromise it for a skill set. And I, I think that that's so important is, is the people that want to be here and want to wear the garnet gold and want to do, and maybe in the recruiting process, I'm very clear. We're, we're all in. We're community we're, we're going to work hard in the weight room. We're going to get after our relationships with our boosters and our alumni. Like I'm, it's going to be a lot, a lot of um, all in mindset for the Florida State softball program. So, you know, know when you're coming here versus rolling out the red carpet and just saying that, it, you know, it's all about you and the awards and accolades you're going to get. It's not, it's all about this program <laughs> and you're going to give to it. So if we're going to talk about culture, like you come in to give to culture, culture just doesn't give to you. You come in and give to culture and, and you're a part of it. So um, so yeah, you, you gotta want to be here and love to be here and, and be prideful of wearing the Jersey and leave it better than you found it. You know, the day you take it off, I mean, the, the program, the team's going to go on Florida state softball is going to go on and you're just going to be here. I'm as a coach, just here for a little time. I'm just giving what I can give because eventually someone's going to pick up the head coaching title and, and hopefully move it forward. The, uh, a fellow competitor 
of yours, Carol Hutchins, once said, and I wrote this down and said, don't ever forget this. I heard her once say about recruiting and the importance of getting it right is if I make a mistake on a recruit, if I lose a recruit, maybe she beats me once or twice a year. If I lose a recruit, if I make a mistake on a recruit, she beats me every day. <laughs> and as a leader of an organization, all of us are going to chuckle about it. And we chuckle about it and kind of nod our head because, boy, is that prophetic. Boy, we've always, we all of us have made those mistakes, right? We talk ourselves because of talent. We talk ourselves into uh, a mistake. What ends up being a mistake, which ends up being first, it's unfair to that athlete or that employee. It's unfair to our team because if we get it wrong, they beat you every day. I remember her talking about that years ago when we were talking about making our recruiting calendars. And uh, I, I mean, it was epic when she said it and it still resonates with me. So I'm, I know that exact quote you're talking about. Um, I also think that um, when you match that up and Michigan has this, I mean, they're incredibly uh, cultured, diverse, great team. Um, but I, I usually in a really good to me defined culture program, you don't have a lot of fence sitters. So when you do bring mm -hmm. that, if you, if you miss out on a kid, you bring a maybe character kid into a program that has a bunch of fence sitters because you're not clear you're not clear with your objectives and, and your mission, then they influence the fence sitters. They influence the end of the dugout. But there's, there's going to be no end of the dugout in this program. And it, if we do, if we do have someone come in that's a little questionable on some things, um, they won't last very long here. Um, because, you know, there's, there's people that aren't going to sit there waiting for someone to take them to the other side and affect the program as a whole. So I, I sometimes, you know, tell people that, you know, like, oh, I don't know about this kid. Well, if you feel really good about your cultures and values in your program, take them because they could flip. I, I'll give chances to kids, you know, because I think that's a learning lesson in life. You know, I, I, I know coaches sometimes talk about, well, I'm going to watch your social media. I'm going to do this. Well, I'm going to give you a chance to grow up. I'm mean, gonna give you a chance to grow up and, you know, because that's what I had in college. Like I didn't, I, I still don't know it all. Right. Like I'm still trying to learn from people in the game, but if I can get myself around some, some good people, maybe I can learn some things and all of a sudden I can blossom into this person that I know I'm capable of being. So I know Hutch said that and it was awesome, but I also think too, as coaches and you're listening and building, like you've got a good solid program, it can flip and you can roll with a team and you can get the most out of someone. Um, that's inside of them, that's inside of them, and, and then can get there. So uh, two ways to look at it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it really, um, as you're talking, Coach, it, it really reminds me that, yes, be, be very uh, diligent, thoughtful about who you're recruiting into your organization, whether that be an athlete or, or in, in, in any organization, in, in any industry. But who you hire, uh, as a venture capitalist once told me, 
when I had asked them about, boy, do you, is certain turnover, people coming to an organization and then leaving or being fired, this is at a point at the program where we had had what I had considered significant turnover. Uh, would that be a red flag for you to not invest in, in a company? And without hesitation, he said, no, nope. What's a red flag for us is when leaders live with their mistakes. Mm. Not like you don't truly know who you're going to get until that person comes into your organization. Do the best job you can. You still don't know it. So then they come to your organization. Once you determine this person is not right for my organization, that, in Coach Hutchins' words, they're a mistake. I made a mistake on this. Yeah. How long do you live with it? Yeah. That is a greater red flag because that shows a, 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 not that you made a mistake, that you're failing as a leader to address it. And that, as the venture capitalist described to me, as you're describing, I'm always going to get, not always, but hey, I'm going to give a chance to this person and give them an opportunity. And I've got a certain number of responsibilities there to make that opportunity real, but then they also have a responsibility. And if they fulfill those responsibilities, if I do, and they fulfill those responsibilities, they're all in great relationship. Yep. If those things don't happen, then the importance of a leader of do not live with your mistake. So huge, right? And just do you think of the human nature side of that? And I'm sure you've been around so many um, yeah, through the military, right? There's so many chances for people to uh, learn discipline in their life and, and put something ahead of themselves. Like um, sometimes we come from backgrounds or maybe situations that we didn't have um, the opportunity to get a second chance. And a second chance, like you could, you know, like, wow, I don't want to be that person I just got in trouble for or um you lost my job for got kicked out for it, but i get a second chance i'm all in it flips your mindset and you're talking 16 17 18 19 20 year old kids like like how awesome is that and and i've been around a ton of them and and then the loyalty after that incredible right because you saw them for yes i failed we've all failed i failed i've made tons of mistakes personally but you know just give me a chance and i'll show you what i'm capable i'll show you what's inside of me and so, um, but that comes with clarity, that, that comes with standards. Um, and again, no person is bigger than the team and the program, but every person on this team knows that I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna be real with you, I'm gonna give you a chance. The minute the chance is gone, then we're okay. It, it's not a personal thing anymore, you know? We just move on and let's find you the spot that you can be the best person you can be. George, two final questions. First, as discussed, you won the World Series in 2018. What did you learn from it? In 2021, you lost it. What did you learn from it? So my, my biggest reflection and us as a staff when we sat down um, our 2017 season, we lost here in Super Regionals to LSU. And um, that team, by far, my, my most all-in team. Uh, Travis, Craig at the time, we would sit down and we'd talk about it. Like, I mean, everyone was all-in. You know, it was um, be here for weights, drink 
water, go to sleep by 10 p.m., da, 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 like everything all in. Legacy book for the tea, like all in. Pretty awesome. Lost. So you as a coach, you sit back and you're like, man, I asked this team to be all in. I asked them, you know, hey, if you do this, if you get up and work, if, if you put weight on it, if you eat chicken and rice every night, whatever, right? And they're all in and they do it and they don't get the result. You're like, wow, man, I, I essentially lied to them, right? Like, you know, you feel like you feel like you failed them. Flip to 2018. Um, and we end up winning the championship byproduct of 2017 season. All the lessons we learned how to be all in, but then we didn't have fun with it. We, our expectation, nothing was good enough. Nothing was good enough. We were, everything had to be all in. And we didn't take a second to like, wow, we had an undefeated season in ACC. We had, like, we did incredible things that we didn't take a chance to high five and celebrate moments to get to the biggest game that we're supposed to have and then can't, can't get the result. But yet I would take 2017 all over again. It was an incredible journey. So, you know, I think the lesson was like celebrate the little things which we did in 2018. We celebrated the things. The foundation of being all in was already there. Um, but if we can celebrate little things and just make sure that we enjoy, be where your feet are, enjoy this weekend, enjoy what just happened. Still work your tail off, but enjoy it. So that was the lesson. 2018, we got to the World Series. Um, I, as people know, we lost the first game. It was a, an epic battle with UCLA to come back and just you know run through it and win it. We as a coaching staff sat back in the dugout, the team took over, and they were absolutely elated, um, enjoying their moment from the third to fourth inning on with Washington's games. Like they were talking in the dugout to themselves. I wasn't even, I was in the back just watching. And um, so at that moment, Eric, I realized that transformational transactional coaching can work. Like you can love up your team and you can grow people to win. I, I know that can work as long as you stay the line. Um, so I felt really really strong you know travis and i talked about it. it was just really strong about how cool that was um to get to this last year um totally different lesson um we probably had uh, really really struggled offensively all season we couldn't find our identity this is what we usually do we hit home runs and doubles and couldn't find it and we struggled in that failure area a long time to have to have really tough talks to end up because I believe our culture was so strong to stay tight as a family, as a team and battle through it and battle through it and battle through it. Don't leave your teammate, battle through it. So then the magic happens, right? And then we go on this incredible run and people step up. So um, something that Travis, you know, said during the whole time is like, you know, don't quit before the magic happens. Don't quit before the magic happens. Like you have a team and as bad as it can be, you're still in the fight. You're still in the fight. Stay tight, stay tight, stay tight. What a huge lesson for me as a coach, for us as a coaching staff, for us as a team. So um, every team, every year is a different journey. Um, again, self-reflection, sit down, talk about it, debrief it. I've learned so much and I'm what, 14 years in now, almost 25 years into coaching. And that was an incredible lesson for me and incredible moments at the World Series. Yeah. Coach, I'm, uh, I'm very, blessed that uh, uh, my wife and I, we even the days that we don't like each other, we still love each other. Uh, and I always say that everything I have in my life is because of her, because my everything is my family is where it starts. And on that family, I have a, I have a 
four and a half year old daughter, uh, a little terrorist. Um, and I also have a 10 year old son. And my 10 year old son, he plays football, basketball and, and lacrosse now, uh, specifically in with those sports. I'm, I'm very fortunate because uh, at the youth level, I have some control about when practices are, uh, which my with my travel schedule still works. So I get the opportunity to coach him. Uh, I'll do the same with my daughter. While coaching, I feel that youth sports, you mentioned growing up playing many different sports as an example, me too coach, right? I feel that youth sports is considerably different than when I played on a number of different levels, than, than when we played on a number of different levels. Yeah. What advice would you give uh, to parents of young athletes and then advice you would give me as a coach of them? Well, um, I think it's so important you as a father and a coach of your children that your time spent isn't always defined to sport. So I feel as if a lot of players feel their love from their family comes from success on the diamond, the court, the pitch, wherever it might be. I did well. Oh, we go out to dinner. My parents are happy. I did well. So, you know, like it's starting to relate. Like I didn't do well, how they spent all this money to get me here. And now they're not happy. So their relationship is defined off of the results of sport. Um, play all the sports we want to, but then maybe there's also mixed in a family camping weekend or something different. Just to, so connection becomes something, uh, a family connection other than just sport. I, I think that'd be yeah. the one thing. And, and I tell people all the time, like you guys can get, you as parents, I don't know how you do it nowadays. I, I don't know how my parents did it back in the day. We didn't have tons of money either. We had to figure things out, but like it's a 24 seven job with just one sport nowadays. It's year round with one sport. Um, but the joy of the sport is not, it's not the ultimate goal is not the scholarship to college or not. It, it's the, the lessons that you get to learn through the game, the relationships that you get to learn through the game. Um, the, the fun of going to certain places. Oh, we played in New Jersey, we played in Colorado, we played in like the fun that there's so many things that get lost in wins and losses and who we're playing and are we on the main field? Are we not in the main field? So as a parent, enjoy it, but connect other areas too. Uh, I think that that's just hugely important. Thanks coach. Yeah. That makes me right there. Not, not that everywhere else didn't, but that right there makes me a better, uh, makes me a better parent. It makes me a better person. In closing, I would be remiss, Coach, if I didn't take this opportunity to first thank you for allowing the program to work with you, your staff, and team annually. Second, the program and this podcast mission is to develop great teammates and great team leaders to create world-class teams. Lonnie, thank you so much for helping us do so today. Eric, I can't, I, I know this isn't a plug for your organization and the program, but I, I would like to. I was sitting in our conference room. We were having a staff meeting and Coach Krikorian, our soccer coach, came in and said hi, as he usually does. He's pretty incredible. And they just won the championship. 
And, uh, you know, I said, Mark, what, you know, what is it that, you know, what's the magic sauce? And he's like, by far the program, the program, like you got, you know, the program, you'll find out your leaders, um, just so many lessons through the few days that we spent together. And so it wasn't 10 minutes later, I'm dialing up and trying to figure out how we can get the program. And that was what, 2018. So, I mean, we have been constant, um, awesome, right? Like family. I almost feel like family to Sam and Jamie and, um, you know, now Fred's just been, been a part of us here a little bit, but, um, our players reach out to you guys. Our, we've created a family that holds the team standard and the lessons that I have learned. So I thank you for everything you do. And I feel like your mission is based off of something greater, obviously with, with family and, and supporting and scholarships and all that cool stuff. But like, it's still people, you keep it as a people business. So thank you for doing that. You impact college athletics at the highest level um, because the highest level is not wins and losses. You know, it is about enjoying and getting the most out of you enjoying your team. And in those short couple hours that we spend together or sometimes longer hours um, with all of your employees, I don't even know if they're employees to you, friends of you, like my, te my teammates, yeah, teammates. It's, it's, it's incredible, right? It's incredible. So thank you for all you do. This is an honor. Um, I just, I'm so much um, better for our players and our program by your podcast um, your lessons that you share. And uh, I just, I really appreciate it. So honored to be a part of it. Um, you know, hopefully we can continue to keep our relationship growing. Thank you so much. But for our listeners, our book, the program lessons from elite military units for creating and sustaining high performance leaders and teams can be found at barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com to sign up to receive our monthly letter on leadership or to learn more about the program and our leadership development and team building services for your own team go to theprogram.org follow us on twitter and instagram at the program org and on facebook at the program org and at we do one more and on linkedin at the program LLC. Finally, if you have enjoyed today's program podcast, please leave a review of it on whatever platform you have accessed it from. Thank you and attack.